Tonight's show is brought to you by Triton Dynamics. Have you ever wanted to work on the cutting edge of technology? Whether it's the advanced Kaser armor-piercing gun or the legendary Arrhenius special operations fighter, Triton Dynamics pushes technology to its limits and beyond. The Terran Vasudan Alliance is looking for new tools to help fight the latest Shivan incursion and could use your help to develop them. If you have a background in engineering or technical design, Triton Dynamics wants to talk to you. Contact us today to find out how you can help keep the Shivans at bay and secure the future of humanity and Vasudan alike. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. It's in the cards, Brian. It's in the cards. Oh, my God. I hope the internet works fine for us this week, because we're already dropping frames like a mofo. Oh, the internet. It's always Tuesday, isn't it? Yep. It is. Every Tuesday. It is every Tuesday. I don't know why that is. Every Tuesday. Well, hopefully, hopefully it's, oh, oh, happy Mardi Gras. Anyway. It seems to have stopped. Uh, is it Lent or Mardi Gras? I Mardi Gras. I think I thought it was tomorrow. It, you know what? You're Wednesday. probably right. You're probably right. Um, Whatever. You're probably right. Um, also joining us is your co-host, Hunter. You know, I got to thinking, if if I could get Terry Crews to do the voice of my GPS, then I could call it Cruise Control. Oh. Uh... You know, a lot of people don't think that's how it is. But it is. But it is. You yes. know what? I, 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 I still want Brian Blessed um, as, my, uh, as my GPS. I, I still want Brian Blessed. Because um, he would be great. Why can't I hear myself? I don't know why I can hear myself. Anyway, that's weird. Um, uh, I, I already said Hunter. So we, uh, we have two guests joining us this <laughs> week, guys. Uh, where are you calling from, gentlemen? I'm in New York. Okay. New York. And I'm in Toronto myself. Okay. So joining us from New York and Toronto, uh, from Neocrux, we have Trevor Whirl, game developer and playtest coordinator. Hi, hi. And we have Sebastian Shadal, game designer, programmer, creative director, and also the president. president. <laughs> and a client. Thanks. Welcome, client. Mr. President. <laughs> <laughs> So guys, he's, not, he's not the president, he's just a president. No, no, Sorry, no, no, I get no, those confused. A, a president, not the president. Um, that's a whole, that'd be a whole different podcast if we had the president on here. Oh, God. What games do you play, Mr. President? <laughs> well, it'll be like Call like, of Duty. Well, I like a little Call of Duty. Bomberman. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then, I like Don Wine with a little Mario. Uh... <laughs> that was a terrible Barack Obama impersonation. I apologize. Um, we are here, my friends, to talk about a card-based 4X called Gala Collider. I've played this before on the channel. Um, oh, man. Yeah, we're still dropping frames. The Internet's having issues. Uh, let's Just make sure let it be. Let it be. We're recording. They'll get the audio later. Let it be. Let it be. Anyway. the song. That's fine. So let's start a multiplayer game. Do you guys have one running? Sure, I can uh, start up a game now quick. All right. Now, this is a card-based uh, 4X, so there are decks. And uh, remind me, uh, there, there will be single-player, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. That is, that's, that's correct, right? 
Yeah, currently we're actually in the process of making uh, tutorials, single-player tutorials, and oh, okay. kind of take those tutorials, make some puzzles based on them, and then puzzles will be like a single-player little game where you can kind of go in little brain teasers and figure out how to solve these complex scenarios. Oh, okay. That's so, like our first little step into it. Okay, but you and are then, plan. Sorry, go ahead. And then long-term, we're going to be adding more and more features for single-player, but it's it's also a very rich online community game, so you know there'll be opportunities to play co-op versus a, a computer player, yeah. which could be oh, a raid beautiful. or survival mission. Um, and then the game itself is going to have an evolving story where you're moving into different areas of space and encountering uh, new characters, new things, which translate into cards, but then those new areas will have new... So, all different kinds of rotating achievements and ways to play the game will be kind of part of it. So it's kind of like an ongoing campaign that everyone's participating in. And then, you know, the last, last stage of the single player mode will be adding uh, beyond the puzzles and beyond the co-op versus AI or, um, I mean, you could, you know, eventually we'll have like an AI simulator for a player. We do plan on eventually having a single player campaign. It's just need to, you know, as we go down the road, we're going to have to make decisions in terms of priority. Like what do we do next? And a lot of that will also come from our players and what they're interested in. So we'll see how fast the single, the full single player campaign comes into play. And, and like I said, right now we're doing it in stages and, and yeah, the puzzles is the first step. So they, they teach you as well as challenge you the game in different ways. Nice. But right now it is just multiplayer. And uh, how many players can you have in a game? Uh, right now the game is uh, one-on-one setting. But eventually there will be, like, say, team play and free-for-alls and that kind of thing too. Oh, so that's why I can't join this game because someone already has. It's only two players a game? For now? Yeah, for, for for right now, it's just... I just jumped out. I just, I'm jumped out, Brian. You get in. Okay, thanks. I was like, why can't I join? I want to <laughs> join. God damn it. Okay. So, yeah. Well, eventually later you can also spectate, but... And, you know, and do replays like you would in StarCraft. But um, oh. right now, yeah, it's just 1v1. We're, we're starting with this and then getting this to be solid, and then we're going to branch yeah. out from here. Think of the one versus one mode as, like, kind of the foundation, and you build the foundation from there. Got it. So, how long have you guys been working on this game? Because we did, pl- I did play it with you guys back in uh, September, but you had been working on it for quite a while before that, if I recall. Yeah, we we definitely have been working on it for for a while still. Seb, how long would you say exactly it's been now? Oh wow! From like the initial concept to now, how far do you think that is? Uh, we lost. We uh, lost, we lost him. Disconnected. Oh no! Oh, bad timing. What well, the uh, what? It's, it, it's definitely been like ov- over a year at least from when, like, say, Seb came up with the idea and decided to become the president, as you called it. Right. <laughs> right. So, uh, the game is definitely ch- the game. Definitely, since I last played, it looks a lot more refined. I will tell you what the the interface looks yeah. cleaner. The graphic. The is. The interface looks cleaner and better. Like I really like how the like the colony ships are very distinct now. Like if I recall last time I played, they weren't as distinct. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of improvements from last time to now. Also, uh, a big improvement I would say is um, that all the cards that you kind of uh, they have the little info button. The info buttons on the cards actually work now. 
So oh, you can actually click on nice. the cards to see what they do. So before, if you might remember, during our September demo, let's say like our colony ship here has the colonize module when you click on it. Or I'd have to tell you what it did because the game didn't bother to tell you, but now the info button works and you can click on that and it'll be like, oh, so this is what it does. Right. The info button just still isn't styled a lot yet. It's very raw, but that's, yeah. you know, coming later. It's definitely a big improvement over what we had, like, given the, the original version that he was playing on. Oh, very nice. Okay. So basically, uh, folks... Uh, it's really neat because you have a deck of cards here. Well, you have a set of cards. You always have six cards. Uh, that's still the same, right? That hasn't changed, right? Hey, you so always you have the, six cards. You start with six cards in your hand, and the idea is that you draw one card a turn from your deck. And then right. also you have the option during a turn to spend research. On the right there, you click your deck, and you can do two research to draw a card. The idea is that you can kind of dig for a lot of options if you feel like you need them. Let's you kind of whiff through your deck quickly and find your cards and play them. So the idea is not like you feel starved of cards, but rather you have lots of choices to make in a turn. You, you right. actually start with one less card than you did before. Yeah, oh. before it would have it would have been like seven. Now it's like six. I think is that correct? Okay, yeah, because I thought I, if I recall correctly, six is like the limit of what you can uh, have at any time. Will have at any time. So what we did is we. So we're in the middle of doing a change to the hand mechanic, and it's part way through that change. Now it's the limit is seven cards, and we're currently in alpha four. When we get to alpha five, you're not going to be allowed to go over your hand limit. So there'll be more like slots, and that'll allow us to also spread the cards out in your hand more, so you'll be able to see all the artwork of all the cards at the same time. And, um, and it'll also remove the need to have to discard which will make turns is going to make turns even faster because if you can't draw, you can't draw. Whereas now, like you can overdraw, and then if you try and end turn, it'll say you have to discard, and it's like oh, I have to spend fifteen more seconds trying to figure that out. So. Right. Also, I should point out that a big change that we've had from like when you played to now is you might notice these little uh, these little tips are appearing at the start of your turn. I do like that. Yes. Yeah, they also like kind of direct you and give you tutorials on how to play. So right now you get like the start of turn two, how to win. It tells you exactly what stars are and how many of them you need to win the game. So that's another thing where before I would have had to explain all that to you manually, but now it's just here for you. Right. Why can't I build a shipyard here? Ah, uh, damn you. Um, uh, you can't build a shipyard on your, your core world. That They don't let you do that because your core world can already produce ships, so the game kind of oh. says, hey, you don't want to do that. Okay. Also, when you, when you try to do it, on the top, your little tip display, your HUD tips, will actually tell you, like, uh, you can't do that on the core world. It'll say, you can't build a ship here because you don't have enough resources, or it'll actually give you the reason. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, and for so, every yeah, ship you... now, too, at the top of the screen, when you click on the ship, it gives you, like, a little, a little word about the card. Like, you know, it might be like, use colony ships to add new neutral sectors to your empire. Oh, I see. So you're getting like a lot of tips and pointers and little helpful tricks that you didn't get before when you played the old version of the game. No, you didn't, which is nice. Real nice. Okay. So I don't think I can do much now this turn, so I'm just going to let it go. And explore. So there are two phases. So there are yep. two phases of the game. There's explore and there's yes. combat. And combat yep. only happens when uh when um 
It's gotten already... a little bit more nuanced than it was before. Combat used to only happen when opposing ships would walk into each other. Now combat will happen if a ship, like your ship, is on an enemy sector, or if there's ships in front of each other. So, for example, oh. if I say take my little frigate, like my little bruiser, and I throw it at your core world, but you have no ships there, we'd still have a battle phase because I have a ship on your sector. That lets you play oh. operation cards. You might have an operation card that, say, does two damage to a ship during the battle phase. That lets you use that card, where otherwise you wouldn't be able to. What the hell? game just minimized itself for no apparent reason. <laughs> oh. That's weird. Okay, Don't minimize so. yourself, game god. You're I know, right? something. So these, these maps are randomly <laughs> generated, if I remember yes. correctly. And in fact, this map we're playing on right now is a pretty funky map. It is. It I'd is. say the right, the right side looks pretty normal, but the left side, what the heck's going on there? <laughs> it, I dig it. I dig how weird this is. <laughs> it, it is quite the little interesting map. I would say it, it changes. See, things like this are interesting because they change your decision-making on the fly quite a bit. Sometimes you'll get maps that are very defensive-oriented, but a map like this, I would say, actually isn't very defensive-oriented at all. It's very open. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, you kind of have a bottleneck right here. You have, like, you have two little... It's weird, like, there are multiple ways to my homeworld, but there's a bunch of shit you'd have to get through. Excuse me, stuff. I'm trying to curse less. I curse a lot. I'm trying to curse less. There's a bunch of stuff you have to get through to get to my homeworld. And same with me. Like, if I wanted to get to your homeworld, I'd have to either slog through these three systems over on the left for me, yeah. Get there, or I'd have to slog through on the right. On the right, one, two, th probably three again. One, two, three, still three, but which three? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a matter of um. It's also the colony ships at the start of the game. Uh, on the left side, it's like where we place them. They could actually walk into each other and start little contesting fights. Or on the right side, that that just wouldn't happen really. So I can change it up that way too. Can I move this colony ship? Okay, there's a colony ship I have, yeah. and yet I can't seem to move it anywhere. Well, uh, there's a couple things. you got to make sure that the sectors are connected, so it has to be, like, say, your core world's connected oh, to the next Oh, that's why sector. there's a battle. There's a, there's a battle? <laughs> there's a battle. Yes, we're on battle phase. In fact, yes, once again, you see the little tip for a battle phase now. Where's the battle? Oh, you son of a... I got I got a little bruiser on your world there. You'll notice now that the, the circle where the battle is is actually glowing. So you have a little glow there to tell you there's a fight in this area. And then when you've done your battle phase, there's an end battle button, just like there was an end explore button. Wow. This is so not at this there. point, I'm gonna <laughs> attack I'm gonna attack your poor little colony ship with my one attack ship. It's just like a dinky little bruiser, it doesn't really do much. But it can oh. look at your colony ship and say, I don't like you, but it can't kill it. It just doesn't like it. Right. I hit end battle, and it's going to fire at him for just one point of damage. Nothing nothing special. Ow! Hey, he's on fire! Son of a gun! Son of a gun. Yes. Yeah, we've added that little effect in now, so you have a damaged ship. So you look at your colony ship, it's damaged, you can see smoke actually coming out of it now to show that this guy got hurt. That guy did get hurt. I don't like that. I don't appreciate that at all. <laughs> Fair point. It's probably not something that's, that you take kindly to. No, I do not. Oh, my, my deck is not great. Let's see. Okay. 
So one of the things I like about not only the card system, but the uh, two-phase system here, is that it keeps things moving quickly. Yeah, you know, like Because uh, the card limits the decisions you can make. Like, I can only do a certain... I can only do one because of the resources I have up here. Yep. Uh, materials, research, and energy. I can only do a certain amount of things per turn. But also with the cards I have, I can only do certain things per turn. Yeah, definitely. So everything's kind of self-limiting in that way. Um, yeah, that's, that's really important to us is to make sure that your decisions are primarily driven by the cards in your hand. And indeed, our goal is to make games playable, especially once we get a clock put in the game. If you wanted to play it head-to-head, you know, you could get a small map, maybe 20, 30 minutes. And then, of oh. course, it could have bigger maps where it's like 40 minutes or an hour for one session. Or you could play a game over many days if you do like a play-by-mail style. So you take a turn and then you get like a little notice that your opponents have finished their turn. Um, and because it's simultaneous as well, like even if you're playing eight people on the same map, your turn length doesn't go up because you all take the turns at the same time. So your turn's only as long as either the clock or the, or the slowest person if there's no clock. Right. Yeah. And I dig that because it keeps things efficient. Um, it kind of boils down a lot, a lot of things in a 4X to like its essence, which is good. Um, now, how do I attack another ship? Like All I right, gotta... so you have an attack here. You have your, your Phoenix. You want to attack my Bruiser. All you got to yeah. do is click your Phoenix. Right. Click my Bruiser, and then you Bruiser again to make the little red line crosshair show up. And that means you oh, set it so, to attack. So you double-click it. Got yeah. it. Clicking once to target it, and then once again to say, yes, do that one. Uh, the when you're ready no with weapon. that attack, you're going to hit end battle, and then they'll fire. And now let's say you, you didn't make that attack, you just hit end battle. The game will actually remind you that you have attacks still remaining. Son of a bitch. So you killed my ship, your sector there is no longer contested. When it was contested, it meant you couldn't build any ships or devs there now, but now that it's freed up, you can build ships there again. Nice, but I don't have... See, if I don't have cards to build ships, I can't build a ship. Is that correct? Build ships always on your uh, core world. Because if you look at the core world, it has that little wrench icon beside it. The wrench icon is letting you know that it can build ships. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, so the idea is, like, if you build a shipyard on something that's not your core world, it's also going to end up having that wrench icon. It doesn't start that way, though. Oh, so how do I build a ship, then, here, without a All ship right. card? So if you've got a ship card like a colony ship you want to play, the first thing you want to do is make sure you actually have the resources to play it. Right. So like to build a colony ship, let's say it's like cost uh, three and three. Build a three and three colony ship, you need at least three materials, three research. You can look on the top right of your screen to see how many you currently have. Right. But I'm saying if I don't have a ship, if I don't have a card to build a ship, I cannot build a ship. Yeah, you always have a, a colony yeah. ship. I know I have the colony ship, but that's, I've, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have no other ship cards, so the colony ship is the only one I can build if I wanted to. Yeah, unless you draw more cards. Remember, you can draw cards from your deck by hitting that little card draw button, if you have the research. Card draw button? Yeah, on the right of your side of your deck there, there's a little uh, research button on oh, top of your deck. Yeah, click that, that, and it'll draw you more, and then you can keep finding more stuff to play. Look at that. Oh. Handy. It's very handy. It's uh, worth using that. It is. That's, that's, that is handy. I did not know that's what that did. Yes, it's the, the uh, very okay. important card draw button. That is so, that is very important. 
So there's two ways you can use your research, and that's often another decision you need to make. You can use your research to either draw new cards, or you can use your research to buy new cards that you'll get for later. So the the tech pool is on the left. On the bottom left, there's like a little blue button, and if you hit that, you'll see three cards that are currently on offer right now to buy. So that's another way you can spend your research. Right. So I could buy a Dreadnought card if I wanted to, but that doesn't get me the Dreadnought. That just gets me the card to be able to build the Dreadnought. I'd still need the resources for that Dreadnought. Yeah, you need the resources to play it too. So it's kind of like the cards, like say, casting costs to play it. Right. So there's a cost to draw, get it, and there's a cost to play it. Yeah, assuming assuming you don't just draw it naturally. If you draw it at the start of your turn, then you don't got to pay the cost to draw it. Because you always draw one card at the start of every turn. Yeah, and as you're taking up more sectors, uh, you're going to get more resources from sectors that could let you draw more cards. And also some sectors, when you, when you colonize them, they'll just give you cards. Oh. I think I took one this game that was like, uh, colonize it, draw a card. So they do exist, so you can you can draw cards even off of that. Right. Some of them might be. Uh, you might have a sector that's like, say, when you call, like, when you buy a tech card from your tech pool on the like bottom left there, you draw a card. Is there a way to repair ships that have been damaged? Uh, there actually is a module on certain ships called repair that will repair damaged ships. I don't think your current deck has any of them, but they do exist. We're just playing on like simple demo decks, so they're not too complicated, so they they don't delve too far into it. But they do exist. Oh no, that's very cool. Very cool. All right, let's go. I got. Ooh, I can afford that. I I love the name of this one particular thing: the fire rain. Yeah, it <laughs> rains fires on their enemies with the bombs. Those bombs are very <laughs> useful. <laughs> Got I really the like bombard that. mechanic. <laughs> yeah, not enough games have that, in my opinion. Not enough strat- space strategy games have a planetary bombard mechanic. You know, and I, I love games that do, like Distant Worlds has it, and Imperial Galactica has it. I think Emperor of the Fading Suns is my favorite with that because you can actually target individual tiles <laughs> on the planet. That was great. Sounds fun. Oh, that was. Oh, I see you assembling. Will you always be able to see what the other player is doing? Um, the way it works is you can see what you have long range scanners basically. And the long range scanners are letting you see my little triangle blips that I have in the areas. But there is also a mechanic called obscured. Obscured makes it so that you can't see the triangles in that sector. So some planets, nebulas, will have the obscure module in play, which just means you can't see triangles. So not always. There's also, uh, there also is actually a development that the Silith have that actually adds the obscure to that sector, so you can hide information from your opponent. That's a big part of the game, obviously, is information and how much they can see and how much they can't see. Oh. And in the future, we're planning on doing things, playing a lot with things like stealth and espionage to add even more ways to deceive your opponent. Oh, that's oh, pretty yeah. awesome. Gotta get the, get the spies in there. Yeah, you gotta have stealth and espionage. Gotta. I, I also like the um, the ex- the resource exchange mechanic. I, li- yeah, I like that. Sure. That is pretty simple. That's 
very simple and effective. Like I was just able to get a card I wanted from research by trading some materials for some research. That was nice. I mean, uh, gonna, it, the way it is, is there's simply going to be times when, say, you have too much of a resource and you want to throw it to something else, so we go, hey, why not let them? It's still painful, though, for the two-to-one, but, yeah, it's it's definitely good so you can adapt to your strategy more. But when you're deck building, you're also trying to think, like, okay, how can I use all my resources as efficiently as possible without having to trade, if, you know, unless I really need to? So it's it's part of the... Yeah, because right now I'm doing also we're also doing some deck building to test out deck building aspects in the game, and it's it's also another fun part of it is dealing with those three resources when you're making your deck. Yeah, for sure. Oh, so you colonize that sector, and you might notice there's a big red swirl around it now. The one you just took because I moved to ship in. Son. He's a raider. He's actually reducing the resources that place produces now. So you actually notice the numbers on the bottom have gotten red. So you get one material now from it instead of two. Son of Just to give God. one energy, now it gives zero. So this, this little rhino is actually hurting you quite a bit by him being there. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> Sorry. And also, uh, the stinger is your stinger here moved into your barracks, so it got it got blockaded. See a little like pin icon on my stinger if you click on it, little red thing lets it know that it's not moving next turn. It's stuck down for now. Oh, nice. Well, that's but, good. It also has bombs, so it's going to be bombing on your, your barracks there. Oh, mother So Barker. it does bombard one, means it does one damage to your barracks when it attacks. It also does three damage to this colony ship here, which only has three health. So once again, I'm abusing your poor colony ships. <sighs> That's... I, I don't mind oh. you, it just keeps happening. God damn it. The barracks is very handy, though, so as long as that's there, it's kind of like a good defensive point, because it has, like, uh, has big, like, infantry defense values, it has, uh, it stops, like, invasions, I'm not using invader, but also has, like, a lot of health, it can resist bombs, it's handy. Tired of your shit. <laughs> I totally forgot I had cards I could play in the battle sector. God, section, god damn it, okay. Fine. So, um, so, uh, how long in total have you actually been working on this again? It's less than a year, it sounds like. That's yeah. I was, I was trying to get uh, Seb's exact number. Okay, Seb, how long has has have you been working on the Galaglider? Would you say from start to now? Uh, from the time it started as a paper game, it would be, I think, going on two and a half years now. Wait, it was a paper game. Yeah, there was six months of a, tons of testing done on the machination engine to make sure that all the friction and economics and everything was working as a paper game first. Huh. How, did this, how did this play out as a uh, pen and paper game? Uh, so, well, you know, you basically... I mean, I've designed lots of card games, physical games as well as digital oh. ones, and basically, you know, you just throw up a whole bunch of stuff in Illustrator put some temporary art on it, print it, cut it, throw it in sleeves with some cards in the back. I think I have like a box of magic common cards that I use for that. And um, invite people over to play, either game designers or people who are really into Forex games or card games. And the first, you know, the first through playthroughs, tons of rules are still being changed and 
core, th- you know, very, very basic fundamental things were really important to work out, like how many resources should your home world give you versus the worlds you encounter. I, I had a curve in mind for the game. Like I wanted there to be three to four, three or four turns on average for, you know, a normal size map of the early game. And then I wanted a very long, tense mid game and then a very fast closing end game because and the end game is where you want it to end quickly. So yeah, just worked out a lot with the math and the numbers and came up with mechanics like stacking and all kinds of other stuff during that phase. Oh. More fights going on here. You can see the little replay engine is, is spinning around and showing us all the stuff we did. It just yeah. showed me that you played a heat sink on me. I saw that heat sink. <laughs> that was funny. I had that heat sink, so why not? I figured yeah, I'd you use killed it. you killed both my rhinos now. No more no more raiding for me, I guess. Woohoo! Right. I what like you killing know? you I like killing your ships. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time. Always a good time. Build one of these. Okay, so we built a frigate. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Can I do another one? Oh, yay! Okay, cool, cool, cool. Always a good time. Yeah, this I I could see like how many players do you think will be the upper limit for a game for a game like four, six, eight? What are we talking? Have no idea yet. B. I'm hoping at least eight, but I could mm. see a map with sixteen or thirty-two people on it happening. If our if the technology supports it, I don't see why not. Well, how how big would that map have to be? Like, how big are you guys planning the maps to get? Because I think I saw the biggest map is what thirty-two sectors right now. Uh, of the random sectors we have, it's currently twelve, eighteen, and twenty-four. Twenty-four. I'm sorry. Okay. But how, 24 how is would... actually pretty big. It, it does take quite a while to play through a 24-sector game. Well, that's if it's one-on-one, but if it's more people, it would be shorter. Yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah. if it's, say, a free-for-all game, and let's say it, we ramped it up, and it was like way up there in like crazy amounts of number sectors, I'm sure we could have like a longer game, too. It's it's uh, Obviously, it's a different little beastie, right? Because you, you got to first make the one-on-one game work and then try and see if you can make some crazy free-for-alls work. But who knows? Maybe we end up with 48-sector maps for free-for-alls. It's possible. That'd be awesome. I could see, it'd like... It'd be huge, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, it'd be huge, but if you get enough people playing and you get... Now, are you also allowing... Are you also, like, going to have teams, like Team A versus Team B versus Team yeah, C? Yeah, we, we definitely want team mode at some point. And then, who knows, maybe a team free-for-all mode will even come in there, too, at some point. Oh, that'd be great. So, and, are the... Sorry, go ahead. And because turns are simultaneous, like, if you're doing a free-for-all match you're going to have to also make decisions on who you're shooting at. Like if there's three people all in the same sector, you could say to, you know, Bob, you're like, Hey Bob, let's shoot on the other guy. And then I don't know if you ever played the game diplomacy, the classic board game, but um, because you have to pre-plan all your moves and all your attacks, you could say you're doing one thing, but then backstab someone else. So there's like a lot, if your students, you're doing like a large free for all map, like let's say we did manage to get all the way up to 32 people or 30 ish people on one map. You know, that's almost like you're playing a campaign at that point. Maybe, you know, turns right. turns aren't like head to head. Maybe they're <laughs> done like twenty four hours, so you do one turn. Each turn is, you know, could be like five minutes for your turn, but you're just kind of doing it over a month or something in that case. And um 
So then you're playing something that's more like epic and long standing and trying to figure out who you're going to be playing with and could be playing teams. And um, I think those kind of larger maps, larger games, it would be, it would be great if when we're scaled up to that, assuming we can scale up to that, that we also include even more things to keep the game fresh in the middle of it. Like if um, events or cataclysms or things that change throughout the game, like maybe on turn 12, a couple stars go supernova and things change and some new alien shows up or something. I don't know. There's a lot that we can do in terms of um, adding features to the game. It's, it's really like a pretty big open-ended platform and, um, even just the maps right now we're so we're doing random maps but we can also we have a map editor so we can design maps at whim too and each sector if you click on it is a card so we can also create any kind of ability effect and 3d model art artwork that we want for any sector on the map too so there's a lot of potential just in the maps to keep the game fresh and changing like wormholes gravity wells radiation areas and etc and so forth so are you guys going to be adding like a, a play by email then because <laughs> it uh, being so large I joke of course but I mean it's so yeah when I say by play by mail style I mean that's that's what we're going to be implementing first in alpha 5 um so the next release not alpha 4 is what we're in now and the reason we're going to start with that is in order to have a lobby where you've got you can find an opponent in like 30 seconds you need to have a lot of people online at the same time so our thinking is we want to build up to that and the best way to do that is to first implement the ability to just save a game and then someone else can log in at any time and take their turn. And then when both or all people have taken their turn, the game is ready for the next turn and everyone gets notified. So, you know, it also works naturally if it's on iOS or, or Android devices because you can get a little notification like it's ready for your turn. And so that's what we're going to start with first, and that'll allow us to kind of build a, a player base. And then once there's enough pe- people, then we can implement like head-to-head clocks where you can just go on a lobby and find someone and play immediately. Nice. Now, are there going to be like maybe other game modes? Like everyone has to capture some. Someone has to capture this one system. It's really well defended, and the first person who gets it wins. You know, shit like that. Are you going to have other like game modes besides the normal four XE conquesty thing here? Yeah, we already do have a little hint of that in one of the maps. It's called the Eye, and the center sector is a really valid, valuable sector, but it's really risky to try and take it because it's right in the middle. So you kind of don't want to th- weaken yourself by trying to go for it. But yes, we do plan on adding other game modes. I think I mentioned uh, co-op, you know, with raid and survival. I mean, those are quite different. Like a survival mission might just be um, survive for 12 turns. So you're playing a team game, four players, or maybe it's just solo versus the computer and you just need to survive this onslaught or, um, there could be, yeah, first person to invade or colonize a particular world. And that world could have, um, AI controlled units there like neutral units. So there's, there's definitely tons of room for doing unique kinds of scenarios in the game. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, so, before I ask this next question, uh, what which engine are you using? I've totally forget which engine are you using for this game. Unity. Uh, okay, so is it going to be uh, cross-platform? Like, are we talking like can someone on a an iPad play someone on the PC, for example? Ab- is- Absolutely, it's oh, already nice. possible. Oh wow, nice! That's that's beautiful. Uh, so. 
We all, I always ask this about developers with you who are using Unity, and I get different answers. So, is this game will it be moddable, or is that not possible? Uh, what is the like what what is, what is your stance? What is the stance on modding? Like, can users make their own maps, for example, if they wanted to, or their own scenarios? You know, stuff like that. I definitely want to let people make their own maps, their own, potentially, you know, also their own cards and artwork that would have to go through, you know, collaborative process with, with us to make that happen. But we want to also have people involved with that. We're also planning on having player activity in the game influence the game itself. So if you're doing a team match and there's an achievement end of the month, whoever scores highest, that team's name, as well as the factions, will get taken into the story and then new cards and designs will go from that. And um, another thing we'd love to also include is alternative skins for ships. Like let's say you want to create a steampunk theme set of 3D models Oh, nice. um, we'd love to be able to provide a means for that to also be in the game. Um, I think already with that, that's a lot, you know, maybe there's other modding options or opportunities that people can think of and, you know, let us know and we'll consider it for sure. Awesome. Okay. So yeah, this game, you might have noticed I uh, I just fully invaded your one sector with my my big great tree dreadnought. Oh, so that's your sucks second. Suck, Brian. Sucks to suck. <laughs> I definitely stole that. I made it orange instead of green. I I see that now. Also, because I... that that pushed my star count up to a uh, fifty-one. There, you can see it's blinking. So that will oh. end the game. Son of a bitch. Snuck it right out from under you. While you were uh, busy just, talking about Unity, I just snuck it right in there. You bastard. All right, why doesn't someone, someone else play? And I'll talk for a while. And in fact, uh, Seb, I'll let you play this next game if you want. Oh, but there's there's no uh, there's no uh, fucking shit. There's no... Uh, yeah, you should, probably, you should probably keep playing, Brian. Go ahead, keep playing. Okay. Fine. Counting on you, Brian. Earth <laughs> is counting on you. It's okay, keep uh, sucking, man. It's alright, don't worry about it. I've been recruited by the Star League to defend. <laughs> yeah, so can we can we talk a little bit about the symbology on the cards and what all these indicators mean? Because it's, you know, I've played like Magic the Gathering and various other card games, but I'm, I'm kind of, at first glance, I, I don't instinctively know what these things are. So you mean like, say, like the modules on the cards, like what's a bombard or like an invasion or that sort of thing? Yeah, it's just you know you have an icon with a number next to it, like, and you know yeah, un- yeah. underneath underneath his yeah. like underneath his central thing, you know he's got like a pink thing, a blue thing, and a yellow thing. Okay, sure. Yeah, I can give a quick little run through of what the the card types look like. Let, let yeah, me sure. just run up another game quick. Oh, I just started one. Perfect. So I'll jump into that game, and it's in the eye. We're gonna play in the yeah, eye. Yeah. Why not? All right. So we'll pull this up. And is can you see like the stream okay? Because then I could just get Brian to kind of press the info button, and we could talk about things as we go. Yeah, I'm watching the stream. So, if uh, Brian, if you just click on one of your colony ships there at the start, got it. See a little I button there, card. Click that. The I button. Yeah, a little I for information. Oh yeah, yeah, Small yeah. Right, ne- right next to the card. Yes. Yeah. Yes that it pulls up so it pulls up kind of like the explanation of everything. Oh. 
So, like, you see the, the red in the bottom left of a card, the red there, that's his, its attack. On the card, you can see the zero attack. A colony ship has uh, three hull. It's that little blue square. Uh, the number's on the left beside the name. It's one for engine range. It means it can move once a turn. It's fuel cost of one. That means it costs one energy to move the card. Top left of a card, we see the card's build cost, which again is shown on the little info card, so two materials, two research for this colony ship. That little command cost, where it says two command cost, that means that because it's a cruiser, it's a medium-sized ship, it takes up two of five of a sector's command. Each sector has five command total, and once you have five ships worth of command there, you can't have any more ships there. So it incentivizes you to kind of spread out your ships eventually, move them around, and not have them all tucked in the one area. Like big dreadnoughts oh. take up three commands, the frigates, the small ships, they only take up one command. So you can stack up a bunch of frigates, but you really can't stack up dreadnoughts all that well. So so is a five versus five battle going to be the biggest fight that you get then? Because you can only currently, get five in a... Currently. Uh, there will be ways to cheat your command costs later to make it go up a bit. So your command costs in the sector, maybe you have six or seven, so you can have more. But for now it's five on five, yeah. Okay, so is the balance of the ships set for... However many command points they're worth, they're equivalent of that many one command point yeah. ships. Yeah, generally that's the idea. It's like so, a dreadnought is going to be a big, powerful, bulky ship. You know, it's like a behemoth ship. And then like your frigate is going to be your small little scouting kind of ship. Think of the last game I played against Brian on turn two. I threw like a bruiser at his core world. It was like a one health ship, and that was a frigate. It died like right away. Now if uh -huh. I was a dreadnought, it would have like ten health instead or nine health instead. Like they get way bigger. They cost okay. way more resources, too. So and, so it's better to bring one big ship than to bring five little ships, right? Because mm, the little ships will die off quick. It's it not as simple as that, yeah. It and depends. Also, big ships tend... The bigger the size of the ship, generally the, the health of the ship scales faster than the attack is another little subtlety. But your big ship is probably limited to shooting... Most ships can only shoot at one target. So if you have a big dreadnought and I have five little ships... You're only going to be able to kill one a turn, which is and which is really bad if I'm attacking you because if I have just one ship in your sector that survives battle, your sector is now considered contested, and that means you can't build anything in that sector anymore. Plus, if I can contest all your sectors, I just win the game immediately. That's one way to win the game. So if you only build big ships, you could have a serious problem. However, on the flip side of it, you know, a big ship is really hard to take down, so. If you move, use that aggressively to attack, it can be, you know, I've had games where, like, I see a big ship coming and I, like, pull back basically, like, three sectors deep and just to build up forces to, like, eventually take this thing out as it steamrolls through my space to try and get to my home world. Or, right, because you know, you're going to be able to hit it every sector that it comes through, so it's basically an attrition thing. Like, you wear it down as it gets closer to that's you. that's definitely a strategy that works against a big ship is you can wear them down or you could do what you said build five ships at once have all five hammer it at the same time so it just gets overwhelmed okay, there's so also some rock paper scissors in the game because because of the three different size classes of ships frigates cruisers and dreadnoughts there may eventually we want eventually to add also fighters like little tiny tiny ones but for now there are those three size classes and certain weapons do different damage to different size classes as well so you can if you know your opponent is building a deck because you know either from scouting or from what you've seen you're like okay i keep seeing these dreadnoughts then that encourages you to build your ships that have anti-dreadnought weaponry as well so there's that as well that also plays into it and then certain cards only work on certain size ships okay mm. so uh 
the deck building part of this, right? Because you get six cards at a time. So that kind of determines what can I do. So it's a little bit luck of the draw of, of what comes up because you there's times you'd probably want to do something and you just haven't pulled that card out yet. Um, as opposed to like a Master of Orion kind of game, you're at liberty to do whatever you can afford to do. So then I guess that would uh, come into a, a balance factor of like what do you stuff into the deck because you want more of these to increase the odds that you're going to get it in, in your hand when you want it. Yeah. That's definitely a part of it. Um, the game starts with a deck size of 30. So 30 is pretty small for a deck size. You start with 6 cards, you have a 30-card deck, you already have 24 left. And because you can draw cards on the fly when you want, you can actually kind of swift through your deck quickly. But there is obviously like a, a randomized component to it. You want to find your card, and it's a matter of finding it. Now, if I run to the end of my deck, am I out, or does it reshuffle? It reshuffles, actually. And not only does it reshuffle, but the cards in your tech pool, the bottom left, you click that little button... Those are like your Tech 2 and Tech 3 cards. They're your powerful late game options. What they do is you buy them. They go into your discard pile. When your deck is empty, you now reshuffle those powerful cards into your deck. So now you can draw your really strong things. So let's say you buy a Tech 3 Dreadnought. This will be like a really beefy ship that's like really strong and menacing. The kind of thing that your opponent sees and you go, Oh god, I think I might have just lost the game. And then you can also use your tech pool to do like min-max strategies too. Like if your opponent is using a particular kind of technology, you can, if you planned ahead and had that available in your tech pool, you can buy it to counter something they're doing. So it's using the magic analogy. It's like having a sideboard of magic, except instead of having to access it between games, you're actually pulling in cards in the middle of it. Okay, so are those cards that you also determine are going to be there or... Do they kind of, is it a modifier to an existing card? Like I have a ship in my hand and then I get the tech modifier and throw it on the ship? Or is it yeah, actually way, a separate um, ship card? The way the tech pool works is it's, um, so let's say I have a deck with uh, 15 tech pool slots. The way it works is I take 15 separate cards and put them in those slots. But the idea is that they're my higher level cards. So the game, you start off with 30 cards, they're always tech level 1 cards. Your tech level 2 and 3 cards are only ever in your tech pool. So to pull those cards out, you need to buy them and then draw them, and then they're like way more powerful to give upside for not being in your starting 30. And then to answer your question, they're not upgrading current cards, although that's a mechanic we want to also have in the game. They're called upgrade cards. We've got like seven types of cards planned. There's only three in the game right now. Um, so right now when you buy a card in your tech pool, it's a new card. It goes into your discard, and then those are new cards that you draw later. Um, but we do plan on also ha adding in a card type called, um, God, it's been a long time. I'm yeah, they're, actually, they're called mods in the game. And mods mm. will be something that you play on a ship, for example, to add a new module or to change the card. And what, you, what the mods do is they will, um, so instead of like a, you know, like if you have an attachment in Magic, they're kind of hard to put in your deck because... As soon as the card is attached to is dead, then you lose the attachment. And, you know, there's been all these mechanics to try and make it work. But in our game, as soon as you play a mod, and, you know, this was te paper tested, so I'm, it's pretty defined already, the general concept of it. So if you mod a ship on the map, um, and actually it doesn't even have to be on the map when you play it, you're, there'll eventually be like a blue... Um, a blueprint screen where you can go to see all the blueprints of all the cards that are currently in your deck and you can mod any of them. And as soon as you mod it, all copies that are on the map 
in your discard, in your hand, everywhere, they all get modified by your changes. So you can change up your ships also using that technique in the future. We don't have that yet, so that's okay. I'm, I'm kind of surprised that it's actually an, an across-the-board upgrade kind of thing. Because it, it, it's like, I would think, you know, you could have stuff in the deck. Like, let's, let's say you're talking about fighters, right? So you could have a card that's like a fighter wing. And then it's like, okay, I, I take the fighter wing and I play it on that ship, and now it's a carrier. But, you know, and maybe it gets, like, five fighter tokens on it or something. And then when you burn them off, they're dead or, or whatever. Um, you know, as well, opposed the, to, like, upgrade all your ships by plus one or whatever. Well, you have to remember when I said all ships, I meant all ships of that frame. You can only have uh-huh. three cop, three base copies of a ship. There's ways to cheat to get more than three. But the the rule of tech building is you can only have three copies of a ship. So if I have three ships called, I don't know, Butterscotch, and I, I mod the Butterscotch ships to be carriers, assuming... Now, that card probably has a condition on it, like maybe that ship has to be a cruiser or a dreadnought um, to become a carrier, and it has to also have the available space um, for a mo- for that module. And then, so if you change... And, of course, we're talking about a, a module for carrier which totally doesn't exist yet, but I'm just using your example. So, I mean, that would only mod those three copies of the ship to have that new module. It wouldn't be all, you know, 20 ships in your deck. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wonder, like, a mechanic, because um, you guys have the tech pool, right? So that's, that's kind of your research equivalent thing, because you're throwing points to draw things out of the tech pool? Yes. Yeah, there's, there's okay. a mixture of drawing from your deck or drawing from the tech pool. You do one or the other. Mm. Yeah, I'm wondering about, like, if you had a uh, a research deck that was, like, other things, like smaller modifiers or, you know, like, plus one engines or, or something like that. Because it's almost like a, a random, like, you know, I've got a couple extra points. I'm going to just pitch them in the research pool and see what I get, you know, kind of gambling. You think the current system is gambling or you'd like to see a gamble? No, I'm, I'm just saying like a more gamble thing. Like if there, if there was just like, say, say a research pool that's shared by all players, right? And, and it's just kind of like anybody could get something that's in there. And, you know, it's, it's just like, yeah, I'll throw, I'll throw some science out there. Oh, oh yeah, I, I, I so got like, like a, a global tech pool. You just buy cards from a, a global pile. Yeah, and you get a random God knows what comes out of there. You know, it's a slot <laughs> machine. That could be fun. Well, it's like a little RNG fest. It could be. It could be something enjoyable. Well, we one, have one we have thing... people that listen to the show that get uh, like really offended at RNG stuff. So I try to get it to work into every game that I can. Because oh, we awesome. we had the Tharsis show and it, it was quite the debate, right? Like we, there's the one guy that that loves it and says, "No, there's no RNG here," and then the other guy says, "This game is broken because of RNG." And <laughs> but the but the guy that wins the game consistently wins, and, and he's like, "No, it's not." So so it was a it was a really fun argument to observe, and uh, I'm I'm just kind of calling back to that. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, the other thing. That I, that I think about. And I don't know if you'd, if you'd want something so complex, right? But um, a lot of 4X games, when you have spaceships, like kind of the joy of it is building the spaceship. So it, it's almost like uh, if spaceships were built modularly, you know, let's, let's say you had like three different cards that comprise a ship, um, yeah. like, a, like a weapons and, and a drive and a shields or, you know, something like that. So um, I don't know if it would be possible in a system like this where, where you could say, okay, you can actually create your own ships by combining you know, the required three type of cards together. So it's like this could be a colony ship because you put a colony module card on it. 
I think so that's, that's kind of out of the scope of what you're thinking, but... No, that's that's actually what the mods will be doing when we add them to the game. So you, there'll be different ways to build your deck, and if you're playing in that style, then you'll have the disadvantage that you have to modify your ships to make them do what you want them to do, but the advantage that you'll be more flexible. And another thing to keep in mind, too, is we have right now two factions, but we have planned at least... Uh, God, I'm losing count. Um, one, two, three, four, five, at least five, maybe six or seven that are going to come into the game. And we plan on making some, as we're planning on making them all as asymmetrical as possible to each other. So, you know, while we have like a tech pool right now with these two, there could be something different for another. We're evolving cards. Another faction might be even much more based on doing a modular type of building structure. So, um, the way you colonize is going to be different from faction to faction. So, those are all things that will also be different based on these future factions that don't exist in the game. And, and yes, modding your car, your ships and building them up of components is something that's planned. It's just not, um, you know, we had to make choices of what are we starting with and building in a, in a list of priorities. And if I had, you know, I had to make a cut down to three types of cards. So these are the current three that we're playing with right now. And mods are on the list for the future. Got a lot on the future docket. I remember that docket. It was a big list. Oh, and I also noticed that we're playing on the eye, the one with the big, powerful sector in the middle, and I currently own there. Yeah, I like how your map works. You know, as things like come oh, into yeah. focus and that—that's that's really aesthetically yes. pleasing. I'm liking that a lot too. I, I wish that more traditional 4X games did that. Like, if if Master of Orion stole that from you right now, you probably wouldn't be too upset, right? <laughs> you know, you know, if Apollo 4X did that... Oh my god, Oh, you son of a... <laughs> son of a bitch! He had, he had to dig on Zing! <laughs> Boom! Oh! Uh, dude, of all the things that were wrong with that game, that's the least. So, And you know, and it, it was also a 4X card game. <laughs> That's true. We can pass back because I've worked on it. But um, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Oh Jesus. Yeah. So so that's a that's a thing. Like the when it, okay. So I I missed the combat stuff that you guys did before, right? Um, so are cards actually involved in combat as far as the the attacks that you do? And stuff. Yeah, yeah. The way it works is, um, in your hand, there's three different card types. So there's ships, there's developments, and there's operations. So ships are what the where the ship combat's coming from. Operations are cards you use to affect the board in some way. So the last game we played, um, I believe Brian used uh, a heat sink on me, which gave his ship plus two attack on me for that one battle phase, and then it made him kill my ship that he wouldn't have killed otherwise. So okay, so that's sort of like an instant, tricks. or does it stick yeah, around for exactly. the whole combat? It's that, it's that sort of thing. It's like an instant that you're throwing out to get like a little, haha, plus two attack, take that. <laughs> We're thinking magic terms would be like throwing that wild growth on the guy and being like, hot buffed it, you didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, did you play Endless Space? I'm sure you did. I probably might have way back in oh, the day. Okay. Uh, play, so the, so the, thing, the thing that's divisive about Endless Space is that the combat is automated, you don't direct your ships around. It's just like they line up oh. and shoot at each other, and there's three phases. And it's you have terrible. A, and you have cards. It's <laughs> terrible. No, dude, I love it. See, that's it's where awful. the divisive comes from. It's so boring. It's no, it's so great. It's so boring. No, because I auto-resolve combat in all these games anyway, so it, it works for me. <laughs> so at least I get to have a little influence, because you have cards in your hand. So you can say, okay, 
phase one, I'm going to do this tactic. And phase two, I'm going to oh, do that tactic, right? So you're picking what your bonuses are going to be because it's like, okay, I've fought him before, and I know that he is really powerful at long-range stuff, and I can crush him at short-range. So I'm going to play my defensive cards at long-range, and then I'm going to queue up my my strong hits for short-range. But I have to survive the long-range to get to the point where I can use that card. Um, and then you set that stuff in stone and then sit back and hope. You know, and it, so it's kind of rock, paper, scissors, but you play three rounds of it. Uh, yeah. You know, you have to declare like three moves and then let it go and see what the other guy did. Um, the the shipbuilding in that game is a bit weird, though, because the way that you do it, you know, it's just like the ship is a bag of guns and shields. So you're just like, yeah, I'm going to throw 30 guns on this one, you know, <laughs> and oh, this wow. many shields. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not it's not like, oh, I'm picking this specific system or you know, or particular layout. It's just like, yeah, how many guns can I stick in here? Well, I've got a weight limit and the guns weigh X amount. So I can, I could fit 50, but do I want guns or shields or do I want lasers? You know, and, and you kind of, and I found out that um, if you build a ship that's dedicated, like it's just nothing but a giant, like projectile boat, those hit really hard in short range, but the guy that's got the missile boat's going to tear you up at long range. Yeah. So you kind of it's kind of rock paper scissors. But if you but if you try to make a mix like, well, I'm going to have half missiles and half guns, you're going to lose every time because you you have to kind of dedicate down a path. Like this is what I'm going to do. But you can bring like Aegis ships that can shoot missiles down. So you just put one of those in the fleet and then have your big gun guys. And it, there was like a whole strategy guide about how to build ships in it. And I was horrific at the game until I read that. And then it was just like, oh yeah, you got to minimize the, the hell out of it. Moment. <laughs> yeah, it's basically a game about min-maxing your ship designs and choosing what range you're going to hurt them in. And it's and it's like if you if you see the the opponent go for one range, then you try to pick an advantage in the other because if you butt head to head with them, you're going to tie. So, but it, but anyway, um, that's the other game that's like a four X game that has a, a sort of card combat in it. So, and I'm sure you know with this being you know spaceships, cards, four X that that comparison is going to come up. Um, and they're, they're actually in the midst of their second game. So it'll be, um, okay. And, you know, endless space Two. It's, it's like out to some people. We don't have it, but people we know do. Um, and, uh, so it's like more of the same, but better. And that what it's supposed to be more of the same, but better every time. Yeah. But better. But, yeah. That's, that's the key. I just got invaded. You, you sector. I saw that. Oh, I lost the middle. So, so that's the thing, is like the, the divisiveness of, you know, oh, card-based combat in a space game. Um, the the people that, that think about that game, you know, it's like you might have to answer questions about, are you like that? And, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and the answer is no. But, you know, they might want Automated turns? Why. No, no, not automated. So, yeah, combat is like one round. So you basically, for each of your ships... Generally speaking, unless you have a module, but you you have one shot per ship, and you choose your target. But you have so even though it's quite simple, because if you have three ships, you choose three targets, you're done. You still have to make choices. Like if your opponent has a ship with raid and and another ship with troops and another ship that has a high attack power, what's the most important one? If you can't destroy them all, which is usually the case, which are the most important ones to destroy right now? So you have to pick. 
you know, if I don't think I can resist the invasion, then you want to take out the invasion ship, but then the raider is going to hurt your economy. And if you didn't take out the one with the big guns, then it's going to hurt you again next turn. So those are the kind of so what, so if you had a modifier, like um, let's say like a, a a targeting beam, right? So I play this card; it's targeting beam. So everybody that shoots at the target that I played that on gets bonus damage, right? So me as that player, it's like, oh no, I want to get rid of that thing. So do you? Could you have like a card that like counters that ability and and basically takes the the negative thing off your ship, or you know, because do you get in, in, into any kind of a Point. trade like that? Like I'm gonna I'm gonna put buffs on my things or debuffs on yours, and then the other player can deny that before you actually get into the shooting part. So because battles are simultaneous, there is a predictive ability, a predictive um, amount of thinking you need to do about what the opponent could do and the tricks. Right now, we have planned in the next batch of cards, but it's not out yet to have like defensive buffs. But they'll be, because of reasons of balance in the game and dynamics, we don't want to make defense be stronger than offense so they'll still be slightly weaker than offensive buffs but you know if the opponent's calculating that they're going to exactly kill that one ship that defense buff might make it survive because mm-hmm. it still has one point of life or something but the way and then the, I combat's, think you, the way combat's structured there's no like i do something and then you react to it to negate it it's just like i'm going to show up with this and you show up with that and we see how it worked out Correct. Yeah, because otherwise turns would then start taking longer. I mean, we want battles to still, everything still has to move fluidly. So you're picking what cards you want to play in battle, if any. You pick all your targets, I pick mine, and then we hit play and we see we see all the shots then being fired. And then we see any cards that were played that had influence on the battle play back during the battle too. And then we go to the next turn. So um, yeah, that's the the basic mechanic of it. So what's what's your target playtime? Uh, you know, you'd say, okay, we we want to get this over with. A, a game should last approximately twenty minutes, thirty minutes, or what? So it depends on your map size. But if you're trying to do a quick game, then it would be a small map. And then if you're also playing with a turn timer, and we don't have a timer yet, but we we count the turns and then do the math from that. So like if it's a ninety second turn and a small map, you should be able to do a game in like twenty thirty minutes, no problem. Okay. So with, with combat, um, is it is it you get one round of combat and then everything else on the map can move again? And then if those ships are still in the system, they fight again next turn? Or is it like combat goes in rounds until somebody's gone and then the rest of the game progresses? It's the first example. So what's going okay. on in combat is it's more like a campaign that's taking place in that sector. Ships are... You know, they're not like lining, even though it's a lineup and they shoot at each other in terms of game lore, it's like they're in the same sec- zone of space and they're trading shots, maybe at long or short range. And then we go, okay. and then you have a chance to move things again and then combat again it, next turn. Because the thing that this makes me think is like, especially if it was a bigger game of it, um, and, and, you know, if you had more than two people, all the two people would be pretty quick too, um, because you would be able to play multiple games at once against different opponents, kind of kind of how um, Frozen Synapse did, right? Where you'd say, okay, well, here's my move, and you stick it up there, and then it waits for the opponent to, to make the move. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be sitting right there at the keyboard at the same time you are. 
you know, and you're staring at each other across the internet. So, uh, you know, it's just like take your turn and you'll get a, a notification when it's your turn again and you can watch how things resolved out or, or whatever, which would also open up play by email, um, which I don't know I, if anybody believes in email anymore. That's kind of stone age, but I think we, I talked about that earlier in this, in this stream. So the answer is yes, we're planning that is our next big feature for the next build. Alpha five is going to be the asynchronous style playing. So you just take a turn whenever I take a turn whenever. And when we're both done, then either one of us can log in to take the next turn and it keeps going like that. Okay. Oh, so nice. I could, I could then have multiple games in session. You know, oh yeah. You I, could have could 20 play. games. Oh going. yeah. Awesome. Oh, so it's like it's like Chaos Reborn or Frozen Synapse, where you have the asynchronous. Someone took their turn. Oh, I got a notification. It's my turn. Run. Yeah, go take my turn. Place exactly what it is. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Because yeah, I I beautiful. tried to play Frozen Synapse like I was Kasparov. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I got ten of these going, and I oh man, no, <laughs> <laughs> no you can't Try do that. Ten all at once. <laughs> can't do that. You will you will die quickly. Yeah. So, you know, for, for me, the appeal of playing it in that way is, you know, games, if I play games like that, then it's like Hero Academy. I remember for a while I played that on my phone and it's like a tactical chess-ish kind of game. And um, yeah, so I would have like many games going like 10 or 12 when I was really into it. And I'd pull up a game, think about my move sometimes a lot because then I don't care about turn timer. But even though my turn should only take a minute or two, I might spend like 20 minutes if I have the time looking at it. But whatever, regardless, you know, maybe five minutes, submit a turn and then go to the next one. And so that way it's it's convenient, you know, if you've got a busy schedule and you still want to play a game, you could just take a five-minute turn of our game whenever you have a chance and yeah, instead of the, you don't need to commit to a long time. The one thing that I'll, I'll say, um, and, and you can put this in your marketing portfolio because it's huge to me, right? is whenever you play a multiplayer 4X game, and Brian and I have experienced this quite recently because we, we tried to play Galsiv 3, um, and there is so much time Ugh. in those games that is just like, well, nothing going on. All right, next turn. Uh, still nothing. I'm, I'm waiting on a build thing. It's going to take 40 turns before it pops a ship out. All right, next turn. You know, And, and oh, God, if we had been playing that play-by-email, we'd be like in the next month before anybody actually constructed a ship. So it, it's just, wow, it's not, it's a, so, so here it looks like every for, turn I get something meaningful to do and, you know, I'm not going to have was an very important. turn. Yeah, that was really, really important when I was designing the game. I wanted to, so even though the game is a 4X card game hybrid, it's kind of s subtle at first, but the way the game plays is actually more like StarCraft if it was a turn-based game. So what I mean by that is you've got of rock, paper, scissors type mechanic. You have to figure out what you're doing. Scouting is really important. And then, you know, you've got a little bit of an early game, but even in the early game, you want to be scouting. And then I wanted to have that. So one thing that Arts brings into it is that strong play. Like in a good card game, the mid game is really intense because it's like every turn you could be winning or you could be losing or there's a reversal or I do something, react and so forth. So that was really important to bring into and, you know, when I was looking at the qualities of 4X to bring in it, one of the things that drives me crazy with 4X games is, like, turn build time. It's like, who on earth decided that, you know, having to wait 57 turns for a ship to build was actually fun? 
And then, but that's, that's okay if it's like one game, but it's like every single Forex game just copies that along as if somehow that's a good idea. And that always baffled me. So that was one of the first things to go in the game. It was like, no, you build a ship, you just build it. Okay. You can't move it immediately, but next turn you can. So it's, it's pretty fast. I mean, it's like, you know, next turn as opposed to 56 turns later. So yeah, there's no like press and turn and watch the paint dry and then press and press and turn again in our game. Thank God. Yeah, no I'm doubt. And you can blame again. Sid Mir for that. That's the whole <laughs> the whole civilization thing, right? And it's... seven troops on your world. Son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, so the planets themselves, what differentiates the planets? Or are uh, some just a little bit are uh, they have different abilities. If you actually click on them, you'll see a sector card pop up and the sector card tells you what it does. See, uh, we finished up this game, but you can still actually click on things during the post game. So you might want to oh, click on some that. of these sectors and you can look at them and see what they do. Like off oh, to the yeah. right of the core world here, you got like the, the dwarf field and asteroid. Asteroids always tend to damage cruisers and dreadnoughts, but this particular asteroid all, also gives you one star return if you've colonized it. So by colonizing it, you can use it as like a little star generator to try and get towards the star victory win. Maybe your strategy is to like sit back a bit, turtle up, and like try and build defenses, get a lot of stars. Maybe the so opponent's that... strategy is to try and rush you down. So if this was a board game, right, would, would yeah. we say like... Uh, okay, I'm gonna put like three cards face down on each planet, and they get revealed when you take it. Or how does this work? Well, you have your planet. Let's say you've colonized it with your colony ship, and then basically you, you're during your simultaneous turn, you're simply just building developments, and the developments are going to show up as little circles on the planet. Can't tell what they are until you actually have a ship there to see what they are. So it's like, okay, the opponents built something in that planet. I need to get a ship there to scout them to see what they've built on that planet. Oh, but it but it's a purposefully built thing. It's not like, oh, I found this planet. Hey, I discovered this fancy alien artifact or no, know, some like bonus thing. Grab a That's planet. planned. That's planned, though. Yes. And then what we so the car each sector is a card, and so the way it's done right now, and the way it was also done in paper testing, is you have a deck of sectors. It's shuffled and then dealt, and then. In this case, it's either reflected or mirrored to your opponent to make it balanced, but we can also make maps that are completely random. And so the exploration, you're finding these sectors. And, you know, we we wanted to start with a baseline of fairly simple sectors for balance reasons of testing, because mm -hmm. as soon as you add super crazy sectors, then it gets harder and harder to test the power of the cards. But we're already adding more and more interesting sectors. Like we've added, I, I think our latest batch of sector we added now ones where when you colonize them, it immediately shuffles your discard pile into your deck. So that starts adding in some interesting decisions because you might only want to colonize it after you've bought certain technologies so that you can get them in your deck. Um, and yeah, so Trevor talked about asteroid damage. There's sectors that also encourage you to, to research. Like um, there's one sector when you colonize it, it gives you four points of research immediately. Or every time you buy a technology, it gives you something in exchange. So, and there's there's really like an infinite design space in the sectors themselves to keep adding more and more interesting abilities. Like um, going back to one thing you mentioned before about the idea of a bazaar where you can buy stuff. So one thing I'd love to add in the game eventually too is a the sense that sectors aren't just these kind of 
anonymous things, but they're actually other civilizations you're encountering. So maybe one sector is neutral. And whenever, if you colonize it, or maybe you have political influence there, you're able to get cards from their bazaar. So you might get three random cards from that bazaar decks pool, and you can choose which one you want to add to your decks. So there's, there's lots of design space in the, on the map side of oh, things. That's cool. So do you have any abilities that you have to pay upkeep for, or it goes away? You know, it's like I, I I put this card out there and then I have to pay for it every turn or it goes back in the distance. Planned, pile. planned not but yet. not yet. All right. Yeah, there could eventually be a Dreadnought or something that maybe just drains resources by having it out. Like, yeah, it, it could be. Now, my last question. Are there going to be things on the map you can discover like, oh, this system's got a Space Beast in it and this system's got a Derelict in it. And this, yes. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, yes. nice, nice! I love that shit. Stuff, I love that stuff. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think, Seb, you've mentioned the idea that at one point you might have something even like space pirates running around. Woo! Yeah, like because there, there was an idea that I kicked around on uh, that game that shall not be named again in the show. <clears throat> um, but <laughs> would would be kind of like Monopoly has had the you know the community chest or or the chance pile, right? So it's just like here here's a, a stack of random good and bad things, and you know just every now and then you have to pull a card out of that, and that's when you know something nice or something really terrible could happen to you. But then again, see it's RNG, right? And that might piss people off. So yeah. well, there's an audience for RNG and there's an audience for non-RNG and I, I think it really depends on what you're trying to get out of the game when you're playing it you know if you're yeah. trying to play the game competitively then the less RNG the better um, right. to a degree I mean I, if you want to have at least some in there but then we're going into design theory um, at least especially for a card game but um, but if you're playing a game more for the experience, right? Like I want to play a game on like, and I don't want to know what's going to happen. I want to have some surprise. Like I want to play a game with some cataclysmic random if, events that are happening and space pirates that are running around. And maybe I encounter some alien technology here or there. And it really twists the game. I mean, the cool thing with that is that you really need to be very adaptive in those situations because you don't know what's going to happen. And I, I think those could be very fun too, especially for a casual play. So Yeah, you just need I, a checkbox to turn it on or off. And, oh yeah, absolutely. There you go. Yeah. So have you seen uh, Prismata? It's a, it's a card game that's basically like, you guys are a 4X, this is an RTS, but it's a card game. So it's like playing StarCraft, the card game. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. And they had a they had a similar development arc, you know, where they they tested it out. They they basically built like a tabletop version of it and tested it oh. out, got it working, and then went to code with it. Which I think all games should probably start that way. Um, but yeah, I I just uh, I just thought you know that was kind of a neat thing, and I didn't know if you guys had seen it yet or not. That's uh, I bought into it way early. I don't think either of the other two guys have it, but. Definitely like an interesting game. Yeah, I've heard about it before. I'm taking like, a look at it. I don't think I've played it yet, but eh, it's something I want to do. You know, you got, there's a lot of card games to think about playing. I've noticed there's lots of options. Yeah, oh, absolutely. The the thing that I was really surprised at with that because they claimed like, oh no, this is like an RTS. It's going to play, and and I thought, oh. you know, oh okay, well, how does that work? And it's it plays surprisingly like you know, I'll use StarCraft as the option, right? So your workers are in the back. And uh -huh. it, and if I can get to your back lines, I can kill your workers off, and then you're through. 
Um, and then you build units that are more like tanks that are out in the front. So those are your shields and your walls and you know and whatnot. Um, and then uh, you can build artillery and actually like snipe over you know. And, and there's counters for everything, right? But it but it's basically you have to run the economy as well as defend your economy. But it's very much an economics game. Hmm. So yeah, yeah if, you, if you blow I did all your money, StarCraft. On, I could see myself enjoying that too. Yeah, it's it's just really neat because it's it's the mindset of an of an RTS, but I don't necessarily need that that uh, like I watch these guys on Twitch play StarCraft and and it's like they're typing you know eighty words a minute, but they're actually just issuing commands and it's like I I can't play computer piano that fast to you know <laughs> no way. Um, so it's like I I need a nice slow game and those those dudes like crank the slider all the way up to the highest speed and play competitively like that and that's my brain doesn't move that fast. So this one goes to eleven. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but but it's like you know something that's a card game that I get a little bit of time to think and there's you know maybe no timer that's burning on me. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Any kind of timer that you're going to impose on here, like if you want to make yeah. You know, some, uh, somebody yes. be like, okay, you got a minute to do your thing. We actually do have turn, turn timers planned for the future where it'll be like you have, say, two-minute two, two minute turn timers if you want to have them. So you could have the asynchronous game where you're allowed to take your time, or you could have the two-minute turn timer game where you have to play quick. Uh, Is it possible it. to get some sort of, um, like, a an advisor AI to ease a newbie in and just be like, hey, psst, you ought to do this? Well, that's part a big part of actually the tutorials we have in the game. Will be like a set of tutorials that you can kind of run through. That will pretty much be like here's how you play the game and wean into it lightly, and then you'll be like, oh, so that's how everything works and what everything does. And by the end of those tutorials, you'll kind of be like on top of everything, ready to go. That's the idea for those. Otherwise, you'd have to listen to the little the little tips at the start of the game, as well yeah. as the info button on the cards can kind of like nudge you into it too. Definitely, the I would say the tutorials will will be a really good learning tool. Right. Okay, yeah, because this seems like a game that once I have the basics, then I can just read what's on the card and figure it out. Yeah, like one, once you know, for example, that, like, say, Nukes does extra damage to Dreadnoughts, you just know it, and you just look at the card and go, oh, Nukes, and you throw it out there, and you know exactly what it does. Nice, and I could see what, when you, I could see a game with experienced players going very quickly. As y'all know, uh, everyone, oh, knows yeah, what, everyone knows what the cards do, so it's boom, 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 boom. You know what the cards do? You have the two-minute turn timer in play. People are going to be, like, flicking through really quickly at that point. Yeah, and, and it's not like you're digging through, like, a mile-deep tech tree trying to decide what I'm going to research next or yeah. you know, that kind of deal. You know ahead of time what you have and generally what you're planning for because you've built your deck around it, and then you just try to execute your plan. Right. So what, what's the plan as far as the deck building stuff? Because you, you guys had said the business model on this thing was going to be you get a, a deck that's fully playable for each race, and that's free. And then, uh, now, does that mean, like, you buy the game and then it comes with the decks, or are you going to go, like, a freemium thing with this, or what, what's your plan on that, first off? And then beyond that, um, is it, like, booster packs or individual card sales? Because uh, you said all the cards are going to be revealed, so there's no mystery thing, like, oh, buy these and hope, right? Um, so it depends on... Right now, we're, where we're at, because the first Kickstarter didn't go through because we were not known enough to make it, 
So now mm. we're building audience and going for self-release, but in parallel, we're also looking for publishers or investors. So what model we're going to have is going to also be dependent on whether we self-release or not. So if we self-release, we'll probably still do somewhat the same model, which means, yes, the starter decks of each faction will be free, which is kind of, of, I mean, it's a very fully playable demo. I mean, you can get tons of mileage out of those starter decks. We still play the starter decks to this day and enjoy them. Um, they're very versatile. And then the, the core set, though, will be small because we don't have the budget to produce a large core set if we're self-releasing. And then there'll be basically like expansion packs, which are kind of like expansions or DLCs. And it'll be, you know, expansion pack and it has let's say 10 cards, three copies of each, so 30 cards, and it costs X amount. You buy yeah. that, and then you get those cards, and then that's the main one of the main ways to acquire new content and also for us to make revenue. Um, there'll be other ways to get cards, like there could be monthly achievements, there could be tournaments. Um, achievements might not always be competitive-based. They might just be based on, um, you know, we're some kind of story thing that we, you know, if you participate in the story, then you might get some bonus content or a card or something. So there'll be different ways to get content as well, but the primary way will be through, um, or, you know, just unlocking, right? Like the first few, you might have some cards that you begin with and some that you can unlock just by playing the game a bit is another, another way to do it too. If we're, if we're actually funded, then we have the potential to make the corset much bigger. And then we might, it depends on, you know, what relationship we build with which funding party. We might end up going more for like a Hearthstone model where you have, um, where it is then a random uh, card to game in the sense that you don't know what you're getting in your pack. So it's not entirely decided what we're going to be doing for our economic model. And that, that's also because it's not decided how we're funded yet. We're looking into different funding options right now. Okay. Is it at all possible to have players actually trade cards outside the game? Or is that beyond the scope of what? Because I don't know if that breaks that business model or not. Like if if I can be like, hey, you know, you give me this, I'll give you that. All right, we traded. Um, if if that screws up the whole thing of of like, well, no, you would have had to bought a hundred boosters to get that thing, so we lost a lot of money because you did a side trade, right? And it also opens up like uh, real money crap. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's been, we've spent many hours talking about it, but the thing is, is right now we don't know which economic model we're going to end up going with. So it's even harder to speculate that. I mean, if we're doing the expandable model where we're also, so our goal of expandable model is to keep it at a pretty low average monthly cost. So if you look at other expandable card games, like um, living card games from FFG, which are pretty s similar in model, you know, you're spending $15 a month for their uh, cycle packs that come out. I'm thinking of games like Netrunner or Game of Thrones. Oh, so and, they're getting um, almost a monthly subscription out of you instead of it's just It's kind of like content. a soft subscription, yeah. But you don't have mm. to buy the packs, you know. But if people are into the game, they generally do. Because, I mean, $10, $15 a month for a game you really like is not a lot, really. If you, I mean, at least I don't think it's a lot when I'm playing those games. So you know, As that's, long as that's, you're only trying to play one at a time. But if you if you're like sure. us and you're ADD, then right, then, yeah. <laughs> and you know, so there's there's definitely we've considered you know thoughts of like okay you know is there a way that you could sell your collection or 
pass your collection to someone else. And most companies, or, you know, or specific, the problem with specific cards, I mean, it, it's, we were adding in a whole other level of economics into the game. And it's, it's definitely something that's not off the table, but we need to at least get to the point where we need to really start thinking about that to really dive into the any kind of specifics there. And it might not even be necessary yeah, if well, the game is expandable, right? Well, so, hopefully you guys are so successful that I have to worry about, like, you know, it, putting it in my will. Like, you know, if I, if I should die, like, can I actually leave my cards to my heir? Then, you know, because of the substantial value that they will. Yeah. But but anyway, um, so have have we pretty much hit everything? Is there is there anything else that that you wanted to kind of bullet point while while we're here, or do we pretty much have an understanding of everything? And and we're kind of looking forward to the next Kickstarter at that point. I think in terms of the game itself, I think we've indirectly covered most <laughs> or all of it. I mean, nice. it's also been a, a long a long uh, interview process, I'm not sure anymore. But um, I do want to let people know that we have an, an alpha event, test event that we're planning for mid-March, and we're trying to get at least 500 people on, on a weekend together to play the game. Okay. Is that wide open or so, for backers? or What's the wide open. on that? Okay, awesome. It's it's totally wide open. So we're trying to get – and we have a – if you go to our homepage, so it's galacollider.com, G-A-L-A-C-O-L-L-I-D-E-R dot com. If you go there, there is a button, um, top menu, middle, that says alpha. It says alpha test or alpha event, something like that. And you can go there and you can sign up your email address for that. So that that's one way to play the game and also give us some feed. You know, we're hoping for some feedback, like, did you like it or not? Or why did oh, you not cool. like it or whatever? This is in Unity, right? Yes. Yeah, so that opens mm-hmm. it up. Have, have you looked at the Unity web player? Because you could just embed this bad boy right in a web page. Yeah, there's been problems with latest builds of Unity on the web, which is not, which is a problem with Unity, not us. There's problems with Chrome in particular. I don't oh, okay. know if they've been fixed yet, but definitely want to get the game into a web player once Unity is no longer suffering from bugs. Like I'm on like a patch release right now, and it still has problems. Like five. Three two patch two or something. It's oh, terrible. But, yeah, we heard we heard that one of the uh, patches broke, um, like resolution, like the way the you can fit the resolution on your monitor. Oh, I, I had a problem this weekend for like three hours. I was trying to debug why I couldn't build on my iOS iPad anymore, and it was just because I had to update to the next patch release. That particular patch was not building to iOS. I was like, great. What? <laughs> This builds great confidence with me that I've per- I've chosen precisely the right moment to upgrade to Unity Five. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, Uni- oh. don't get me wrong, Unity is awesome. I love it. I love coding in C Sharp on it. It's really, really intuitive. But yeah, it is buggy. Um, all right, but cool. it's available. All right, well, so it sounds how, like we've gotten everything. And how far uh, out is the Kickstarter? Yeah, if you're going to do round two. So our our next milestones are, as I mentioned, is the alpha test event in mid-March. And then from that point, I'm hoping for three months, could be four, when we release alpha five. And then that will be already publicly playable by anybody. And you'll be able to find opponents and play. So that's even before we, we're even thinking of doing a, a second crowdfunding. 
Yeah, because you get, you get some audience and a little bit of buzz behind it that way, and, and then you got to push whenever you do yes. the thing. So, so that, that's an so advantage we, a lot of people don't have is actual, you know, here's here's the thing in your hand. Now do you want to kickstart it, you know, <laughs> versus, you know, the, uh, oh, yeah, someday we're going to make a thing, so give us the money. Uh, you know, that that's a, a totally different, and especially with the, the consumer confidence in the crowdfunding model right now. Um, I think it's absolutely essential. So you're absolutely on the right path with that. Yeah. So we need that, that build alpha five to be out there. And then we need enough champion players, like people who are super mega fans, you know, people who are like engaged either a lot or building or on our Twitter a lot or, you know, whatever it is that makes them be like super fans. We need enough super fans to really make us Kickstarter possible and then we need enough people in the press media world to acknowledge our existence and be paying attention to our game. And so once we've got those three things in place, we can plan a Kickstarter like two, three months after what that moment has happened. And that's kind of the thinking. So, you know, all, everything going as smooth as I would like it to go. We're talking um three six seven so like maybe seven months from now maybe nine months from now would be the crowdfunding and then after the crowdfunding another month or two before we go to closed beta and then closed beta maybe for another two three months and then open beta so, all right so let's let's plan for you guys to swing back like right before you do the crowdfunding thing um, because it's you know as far as the media stuff i mean it's it's like you got us you got explorminate that's really all you need and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, wish it was. I wish I wish it was all they needed. Yeah, but, we like you those know. guys, by the way. Explorinate. They're awesome. Be nice to them. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're cool. They're cool. Definitely. Oh, all right. Well, gentlemen, I want to thank you for uh, joining us, folks. Uh, we had some technical problems again. Hopefully, the video works out. If not, we're going to have an MP3 up of this. Yeah, the video um, stabilized finally. It was buffering oh, a lot. It's cool now. Thank oh, God. Good. good. Um, I mean, the archive should be fine, but the live version. Is blah, blah, blah. Um, and by the by the way, my compliments to your artist because the card art is really oh, it's good lovely. quality. It's I like absolutely that, lovely. and that that stuff's not cheap, right? So, whenever you talk about like, oh, we're going to do expansions and added content and stuff, I think probably the greatest expense is going to be the art on the cards. Unless unless you got like a cheap artist that doesn't know what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, I, I hear you on on art costs. It's definitely true that it can be quite pricey. But hey, good quality, you know, good quality is good stuff. Yep. And and if you do like T shirts with that on it, maybe that'll be a good Kickstarter reward. If we get enough people t-shirts. interested in T shirts, we'll do them. It's just T shirts definitely have an upfront cost. I'm you know, oh, yeah, we want to make sure if we're printing them, people are buying them though. Yeah, I was I was kidding. The 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 uh, the woes of Kickstarters and trying to do fulfillment on on material things afterwards is yeah no one wants to put me right off of it. But anyway, yeah, we're trying you could to be... sell the T-shirts though. That would yeah. We're... <laughs> well, we, if we did do them on a Kickstarter, they'd probably be add-ons, so they're kind of being sold. But we would want to have confidence that we're having a minimum volume that it makes sense because, like you said, it's a ton of work. Plus, you have to deal with taxes. Oh yeah, that's true. With t-shirts on a Kickstarter, it's there's it's just a yeah, it's a whole so other digital can. offers are way way easier. Yeah, it's a whole yeah. other can as soon as you're after doing physical fulfillment. Right. All right. Well, uh, just to wrap up, folks, we have uh, the, your site is Gala Colliders. C G A L A C O 
L-L-I-D-E-R.com. And uh, give us a heads up when um, that open beta thing is about to happen in March. I'll definitely ping it out to people so they know. Uh, next week, folks, on the show, we are going to have the developer of the um, successfully kickstarted a long time ago and still in development open space trading fighting game Drifter, which is pretty great, actually, if you haven't played it. It's pretty great. Um, it's, it's kind of a 2D game. It's only on a 2D plane. Think of, like, Rebel Galaxy, but only with a fighter, and you kind of are in the right direction as to where you're going with that. Uh, so that's what we have next week. Don't forget to hit us up at hail at spacegamejunkie.com if you have any suggestions or questions or comments. You love us, you hate us. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank Bye. you.